Live from Team Church Conference, this is the Leading Second Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart and welcome to the Leading Second Podcast where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. Well, welcome to Team Church Conference. We are live from Team Church Conference uh, this week with the Leading Second podcast. And um, as you probably know, Leading Second is an expression of and, and part of the Team Church tribe. So we are here at the event this week and we are excited to be here. We're going to be uh, bringing you an episode each day of the conference uh, just to um, bring on some of our friends that are here for conference and and uh, have some good conversations. So if you want to join us online for a live experience for the conference, if you're not here, I want to encourage you to head to teamchurchconference.com and we are uh, streaming every session as well as some content in between sessions that you are not going to want to miss. But for today, I gathered uh, some of my friends uh, who I respect so much who actually lead from the second chair as campus pastors or exec pastors. So I got some friends with me today. First of all is Bryce Birmingham, uh, my, my Canadian friend. Canadian. Uh, who is here uh, Canadian, from eh? Red Deer, Alberta. He's the campus pastor at Home Church in Calgary. Brandon, it's awesome to be here at Team Church. Man, we love you guys. You guys brought a ton of people. I think we're pushing 80. We're getting real close to 80. I think about 78. Uh, I like to round up. Amazing. <laughs> Bryce and his wife, Glow, do, do an amazing job leading in Calgary. And then I have uh, my friend Kyle Heineke. Hey, what's up? From uh, Fresh Life Church in Portland, Oregon. Campus pastor there. Yeah, excited to be here, man. And, man, you guys have been coming for a few years now. And, yeah, and, three uh, years. We Glad love your here. pastor, love having you here. And then the man, the myth, the legend. Hopefully more truth than, than myth. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Lord. What's up, uh, everybody? The uh, I don't even know what your title is. Executive yeah, pastor. Executive pastor. At Life Church yep. in Memphis, Tennessee. That's right. And Dan actually worked for Pastor Kevin, my pastor's dad, That's for right. how many years? Well, I was born into his church, and I, I think I started working when I was a kid because my parents were right, real involved, right, but right. officially was youth pastor there for 12, 13 years. And then now you've been at Life Church with, with John Siebling. That's right, for 13 years. So. 13. so just so everybody is aware, Dan is the like ultimate leading second leader, like like decades. You're very kind. No, you're you, very kind. You should be hosting this. Is all is all I'm going to say. It's an honor to be here and be part so of this. Let me uh, say first of all to you guys a big thank you to each of you, um, just for loving the church like you guys do, and for uh, serving your pastors the way you do. Uh, you know, each one of you has a significant church. You know, you have significant reach in, in different ways you know, in, you know, North America here, around the world. And, um, you know, we all know that behind every great leader uh, is an army of people like us, you right. know, that are leading from the second chair. So I just wanted to say thank you to you guys for what you're doing. And let, let's just start with this question today, since we're, you know, all leaders that serve someone else's vision. Why do you love leading from the second chair? I mean, why, why do you do it? Why do you why do you serve and lead in the second chair? It's it's awesome to get to see dreams come true, you know. And I think too many people are unwilling to give up, you know, their dream to see a bigger dream come come true. And so I, for me, it's I love the impact. I love the impact of seeing what we get to do together, not just like what can Dan dream up. That's kind of be my answer. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I love the fact that it, it doesn't all uh, rotate around one person. It's a team. And to be able to contribute to something greater than yourself is so rewarding and so fulfilling of that yeah. deep down calling you have inside of you. And don't you think that the idea of leading in the second chair is often overlooked? I mean, when we think of a leader, we say this a lot at Leading Second, when we think of a leader, we think of the person out front. Right, yeah. And maybe rightfully so, but behind every leader, I mean, the saying goes, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know they didn't get there by themselves, right? Like behind every great figurehead or every great person out front is an army that often maybe go unsung, you know, unnoticed, but are still very, 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 um, you know, so much is to their credit. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the greatest challenge? Let's just get real here. Let's dive deep. What is the greatest challenge you personally experience from leading in the second chair? And no one wants to start this off. <laughs> uh, what is the greatest challenge you feel that you personally experience leading in the second chair? All right, I'll, I'll kick it off here. Um, Go deep, come on. I think the greatest challenge is uh, when you have thoughts of your own or you disagree with what your pastor, your leader, your team leader is, is suggesting or strongly emphasizing needs to be done. And you're like, I really feel like it's something else. And when you gotta get in line, you gotta get in line. You know, and that's, that's for me, is sometimes hard when you, you feel like, well, I'm a strong leader. You gotta lay that down and get back in line and be a team player. Well, and you've, you've, of any of us, you've probably done this the longest. I guess answer this, does it ever get any easier? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I mean, you know, that's the humanity side. We're all human. Right. And you have a different opinion. And, you know, sometimes you have to realize, like, well, God God gave me an opinion. He gave my pastor a different one. He's not wrong. You know, this isn't sin. So I need to cooperate and I need to leave this room with a big smile and willing to take it on, you know, so. I just think everybody needs to remember that. Uh, Either you guys have a thought on that? I think one of the hardest things about leading from the second position for me is staying motivated to follow the original vision because sometimes it's just easy to get distracted and think that this new thing is a big priority and um, any change effort, anything you're leading, momentum starts with motivation and being motivated, man, sometimes you got to get back to the source so often. You know what's interesting is for me and Pastor Kevin, that was actually an area we were always maybe a bit of a mismatch and I don't even know if he would know that or word it that way, but like on the strengths finder tests, I am highly, like I'm onto the new idea, I'm onto the new thing, highly creative. His, or one of his top strengths is the strength of focus, which means once he gets a focus in mind, he does not deviate. And that was actually always something I had to learn was I can't be onto the next thing because he's not onto the next thing. Wow. And I would love to be onto the next thing, but I can't be, not if I'm going to serve him well. So that's, I've never heard it said like that, but that's really well said. Yeah, I think there's some areas that my pastor really loves to go deep. He loves evangelism. He loves outreach. But that meant even in uh, what I was doing in the church and overseeing in the church was a lot of discipleship, make sure that other end was being taken care of. And so I had to really stand in the authority and the confidence that my pastor actually was giving me in an area that might not get anthemed quite as much because his heart was just so much for our city and so much for our yeah. nation and the world uh, that we had to, I had to make sure that I'm, I'm listening uh, to his heart and listening to the vision, but sticking into the areas that he might not be 
um, shouting out from the pulpit all the time and making sure that that those important roles were were being taken care of and being done in in the house as well. So for me, like a confidence in doing what God had called me within the vision of the house to keep those things going, whether they were getting applauded or not. Yeah. That's so good. Dan, uh, this question is for you. Take us up to 30,000 feet you know, for a second. I feel like you you know, you coach so many young leaders around the country, you know, you, uh, through your church and ARC and, you know, different, different sure. areas that you've had the opportunity to influence. I feel like you encounter a lot of young leaders. So talk globally for a second. What, what are some of the challenges you feel like you see with young leaders today? Call them millennials, call them whatever you want. Sure. What, what are the challenges you feel like you're seeing? I think a big one is, uh, lack of patience, being in a hurry just in their own personal life. And uh, there's a few young leaders that shine out in their generation. So it's like, well, I need to be doing what they're doing by now and I'm behind. And I'm, my pastor's not giving me the platform. I'm not, I'm not far enough along in my ministry. It's not big enough. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a minute. You know, we're in this thing for the long haul. Uh, slow down. Don't be in a hurry. I think that, you know, patience is a great virtue. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. So I think that's something, I don't know if that's an, a new problem. I feel like I had ants in my pants too when I was young. So I think that's, that's a personal one. I think it's a humanity thing. I also think it's a 2018 thing. Yeah. We have an app for everything. Yeah. I mean, before we walked into this room, I was hungry and I was sitting in my office and no one could get food. So we Uber Eats Thai food, There you, go. you know, in 20 minutes. Like I didn't have to do one thing Yep. for... Thai food to right. show up, you know, and we're, that we are in that. Yeah. Like when, when will I be a pastor? Well, when everyone sees that you're a pastor, I can't give you, it's not going to be six yeah. months at the There's end no of this Uber internship for, yeah. for your destiny, yeah. right? Just, like, call, just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep your head down. That's why I tell people if they, you know, a young person becomes a pastor somewhere and they move up through the ranks, I'll just say, okay, just go work harder than everybody else and stay later and keep a great attitude. Well, for a long time. <laughs> and, and, and just so you know, and I'm saying this on the record, so you have to do this now, but you and I are going to have an entire conversation about that soon because okay. you have a lot more to say on that. And we'll just leave that for there sure. for now. Uh, Bryce, this question's for you. Um, your pastor is also a family member of yours. So yes. you serve your pastor, who's also your cousin. That's right. So I think cousin, parent, brother, it's all family. That's right. So what's it like to lead second for your own family member? <laughs> I love it because when Pastor Jacob was put in the role of lead pastor at home church, I decided immediately the hat had to switch. The primary hat had to be he's my lead pastor. Uh, both he and Pastor Becca are our pastors. And I had, to, I had to let the cousin hat go very low and I had to let the brother hat go very low because he was in our wedding and like all kinds of things. I mean, you just do history and life and family and it's an entrusted thing to say that he's my pastor. I don't have entitlement because he's my cousin, like a brother, uh, one of my best friends in the world. I had to just switch the hat to lead pastor immediately, immediately. I knew the church needed an immediate response from me to lead that he was my pastor. And you know, I think there might be people out there that would even consider themselves friends with their pastor or maybe a closer kind of relationship, but don't you feel like you earn that level of trust? I mean, even though you might have some blood relation going on, you, you, you have to, um, you have to architect that relationship, right. Yes. And handle that right. Yes. And, um, otherwise you end up probably getting viewed through a sense of entitlement or, That's you know, right. or, um, privilege or 
Something like that would be, which would be toxic to other team members. You either hit the switch that he's your lead pastor, or you hit the road, mm. right? Like that's that's really what it would boil down to. And I felt like in, in that moment, close to ten years ago, that I had to make sure that he was pastor primary. He wasn't J Dog. He wasn't <laughs> J Boy. Because I mean, the, 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 my pastor is so relational. He yeah, is he so is. relational, and he does not care about position. That's but true. my role had to create that honor flow up towards him and into the staff because everybody was coming online with him. It was a, it was a transition moment. And so people were coming off staff, coming on staff. And I felt like I'm in charge of this, this culture of honor. Well, and the kudos to you, because I met you and I didn't know for years that you guys were related. Right. And so I, I never would have known, you know, and, and that's, that's credit to you for how you, you know, carried yourself through all that. Uh, Kyle, I have a question for you, and I actually didn't prep you on this one, sorry. Uh, but you are a campus pastor and lead on behalf of your pastor over the, a long distance. I mean, mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon is 12 hours, is 12 hours from Kalispell, Montana, you yeah. know, where, where Fresh Life's you know, central campus is. Right. So um, how do you stay in alignment over 12 mm. hours of driving? I mean, it's not like it's 20 minutes down the road. I think that staying in alignment starts with your own soul, right? And, you know, I do this because I'm called to it, right? And so if I'm going to submit my soul to the calling that God has put on my life, my alignment starts with my relationship with Jesus. Secondly, my boss as my pastor, and he, he brokers in trust. And so for, for it all to work, he has to know he can trust me, you know? And so how do I show him he can trust me? It's excellence, it's execution, it's follow through, it's doing what his vision was. And then if something doesn't work, then I have credibility with him to say, you know, hey Kyle, what, you know, what would you do, do different? But up until then, it's, it's really up to him, right? If he wants to ask that, my job is to do and do well, you know, each thing he's asked me to do. Well said. I've heard it said that leaders in the second chair are prone to time management issues. And I'm gonna take a bit of a turn here for a second because in our coaching groups with Leading Second, a lot of the questions when we start to boil down to them really drill down into execution or you know, balancing family life and you know, ministry life. And, you know, a lot of roads lead down to how do I just manage everything that's on my plate? And I've heard it said that second chair leaders are prone to time management issues because we have high levels of responsibility, but we're not entirely in charge of our own schedule. Mm-hmm. Meaning we are often at the mercy of the person whom we serve. Now, now the first chair is in charge of their own schedule. Mm-hmm. We are not always in charge of our own schedule. So there's just a uniqueness that comes mm-hmm. to that role. So let me just put it out there for you guys. How do you balance everything that's on your plate, stay healthy, run really fast, what does that look like to you or do you even handle it well at all? I think a great, it's a great question because I've faced it for 25 years. It's, um, I, I would invite people to invite their pastor to help them juggle because um, I found that sometimes I would pick what's going to hit the ground. Like, hey, I'm good at juggling three tennis balls. Hey, great, I can do four. All of a sudden I'm trying to do, you gave me five, but now I can't do five and one of them is going to hit the ground. So just sometimes saying to my pastor, which one is the most important to you that I keep in there? Because my capacity, I mean, I'm at a capacity thing. Help me here. And usually I'll be like, oh, that one doesn't matter. And you're still doing that. Oh, forget about that. And next thing I know, I was overwhelmed. And when I just asked, I, it helped me. Wow. Awesome. Uh, I go for rhythm, not balance. 
something I heard you say, Brandon, a few years ago was, was balance was a myth. And that really caught me and I was like, okay, if balance is a myth, what am I gonna do about this? And I need to create rhythms. And, and really this, this past two years I created working in blocks versus creating hour by hour. But my day timer is fully moved by when he calls. If he needs something, that appointment can, that can shift, that meeting can shift, everything, uh, I will move it. I will move heaven and earth to get to, because uh, I'm an hour down the road, so I can jump online with him, or if he calls me, I'm down to Red Deer. There's been a, quite a few times in the last couple of years he's called, and I'm just, I just make the move, and I come down to Red Deer, but the rhythm thing has really helped me out and established uh, a healthy, a more healthy pattern, but again, it's not balance. It's rhythm I'm going for. I think also busyness uh, looks like the lack of control, and mm. um, and it also sometimes springs from a heart of desiring to control. And I don't think that looks very good on a second chair leader. I think that if I were the the top of the the pile, so to speak, I would look at that and say, this person might need to have a conversation and understand his spot, and uh, and really realize that hey, dude, it's not all about you. It's not all about me either, but it's not all about you. And so. Um, yeah, I think sometimes it can stem from pride. And I heard it said that God never called us to be busy. Hmm. He called us to be fruitful. Right. But he never called us to be busy. And we were yeah. busy like it's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. You know, when in, when in reality we can be busy. You talk about dropping things. I mean, we, we could be busy doing a whole bunch of things that really don't matter to Jesus and right. don't matter to our pastor. Right. Yeah. And um, I think that would maybe be... A downside of our culture today that we just slap busy on on things like mm. it's like it's a good thing. Let me ask you guys one final question, and we'll land the plane uh, with this one. And I want each of you to take a stab at this. What is one thing that you would want to leave with every second chair leader that's listening today? I mean, like like when they walk out of here and they're going to listen to this and they're going to do something about this. What we've talked about today. What's one thing you would want to leave? with them. I'm just going to swivel something from my pastor. He would say, walk in your authority. I've trusted you. I want you to walk in your leadership. I want you to uh, lead like I'm leading, whether I'm here or not in the office. I want you to walk in the authority that I have given you. And that's, that's just a, a level of confidence. We don't have to lead uh, in insecurity. We leave in, lead in confidence and we lead in the authority and the trust that our pastors have given us. Well said. Um, I think that a lot of times we make small the calling that God really has made big on our lives as second chair leaders. Mm, Like there's so so much honor in being a second chair leader. And a lot of times I think, especially, you know, younger people in leadership, they want to move through that and be at the top. I want to start my own thing, do my own thing. But there is honor in commitment. There is honor in sustained serving. And God put a big thing on each of us, our calling, and we need to make big of it as well. That's what I would say. Wow, very good. I would say from Hebrews, for your leader, always make it a joy and never a burden. And that's been my chief aim with my pastors is to just, if you're smiling, then I'm going to smile. And if you're not, then I'm not going to smile until we can get that smile back on your face. So I I would just say, you know, that, that covers a lot of like, what's my role? I have role confusion. It's okay. Is your pastor happy? You'll figure out your role. Whatever the problem usually is, if we're doing it to make them happy, it'll be good. Well said guys. Well, 
First of all, thanks for being my friends, and thanks for being a part of Team Church. Uh, You're you're welcome. (laughs) We we love you guys so much, and uh, thank you for what you do for your pastors, and I know they would just all... You know, say the same thing that that your your role is is outsized, and I think so many times when we lead in the second chair, we undervalue it. But but thank you guys for what you do for your churches. And hey, leading second, uh, we love you. I'm so glad you're joining us this week for uh, the podcast. I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow as we're going to be releasing another episode of the Leading Second podcast live from Team Church Conference. Also, head to TeamChurchConference.com. We're streaming every session. You're definitely uh, going to want to be a part. Until then, uh, let me just say we love you. Thankful to have any voice into your life. It's, it's the honor of a lifetime that we would get to do that. Let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together.